0: Hello, this is Peeling the Product and I'm your host Yogesh Kumar Sharma and you are listening to the first episode of Peeling the Product and today's topic is Robin Hood. I have been joined by two great product managers, Andrew Baukur and Trent Blackley. Uh Andrew is a very, very famous product manager. He has been publishing his newsletter, weekly newsletter, and he's posting on the LinkedIn, on the daily basis. You can follow him on uh, LinkedIn. And we have Trent. He's also equally famous product manager. Uh, so uh, before I start and start jumping on my questions, guys, uh, we'd love to know if you want to speak a little bit about yourself uh, in next two minutes.
1: Sure. I'll go first real quick. Been doing product for about eight years. Uh, really love the variety of it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's always a challenge. It's always a, a different thing every day. Um, and I love that aspect of it. And um always looking to learn more. There's always more to learn. So hopefully we can add value to our listeners and have some fun.
0: Awesome. Andrew, over to you.
2: Yeah, I would, I would echo that. Um, I would say I'm definitely not famous, but uh, <laughs> add that caveat in there. <laughs> but I do enjoy posting on LinkedIn. I think I have learned a lot and uh, gained a lot of um, fun, you know, relationships and and networking the community there. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I've been in product for like officially, I guess, four years. um, Although I've been in different, different types of roles before that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy the community aspect of product. I think everybody I've come across and worked with, and even, you know, in the company I work at today and other companies and other PMs. It's just so fun. Everybody's really uplifting and uh, encouraging uh, of one another. And I think it's just a cool kind of camaraderie. So looking forward to the, the podcast we got here.
0: Cool. Awesome. And I am Yogesh and I'm a senior product manager. Uh, I've been in a product management for the last six years and looking forward to learn from you guys while we uh, take this new journey of podcasting. So today's topic is Robinhood. Uh We have started this new podcast, peeling the product. The purpose of this podcast is to determine what is required to develop a good product. What are the different layers which makes a product a good product? How do you maintain a competitive edge while you are running and developing and continuously improving your product? and what are the challenges you can face uh, as a product manager while you're developing a product. So let's start. My first question is to Andrew. Andrew, what comes to your mind when you think about Robinhood nowadays? Uh,
2: today? Uh actually the movie still (laughs) yeah um you know uh, robbing the the rich to uh feed the poor right and you know that's probably you know how the name got started and um it's it's uh the industry that you know robin hood plays in is a very Mm -hmm. rich industry and it's typically thought of historically as people who invest are people who are thought of as um affluent people with money, and yeah. they're the only ones who have access to these types of um, activities, right? And so Robinhood was, well, no, we're going to actually democratize access to investing and give that to to the common user, right? Um, and then hence, Wall Street Bets is born.
0: Excellent. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What, what, what do you think about uh, this trend? What is your thought when you think about Robinhood as a company? What comes to your mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that comes to mind is some of the controversy that took place around GameStop and others, um, mm-hmm. meme stocks. And, but I, I think overall, you know, Robinhood was really disruptive to that, that space that Andrew was referring to. I think one of the things they did really well was just really grease the skids um, as far as making it easy to start investing. Mm-hmm. Um, the app is really easy to use, like really, really high degree of usability. Um, Getting started, I mean, they really uh, tried to make it very seamless about adding money from a bank account. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've used it personally, and it was I was up and running within 30 minutes, and and you know had the the ability to buy stock within within that time period. So that's impressive, especially in an industry where normally that kind of transition you got to fill out paperwork, you got to make you know identify who you are. Mm-hmm. You got to set up an account. There's usually some kind of minimum amount you need to start with. So this really, like, like Andrew said, democratizes that.
0: Yeah, and and so partially you already answered my next question that I was looking to ask you guys. At what problem they are solving? Uh, they're solving a lot of problems, and, and they are evolving day by day. And in the last one year, their stocks definitely got a hit, but they are jumping back and they're coming back with a new aggressive, uh, new uh, new product strategies. I would love to know what what is your thought what are they solving uh and do you touch upon that in the beginning let's let's uh start with you only what are the problem they're solving
2: yeah i mean to me the problem they're solving is is i don't want to beat a dead horse but it is just simple easy investing right um which i think uh in a space before it used to be complicated it used to Used to have to sign up, and I mean, you still have to hand over your social security number. But you you have to hand over all this information and send mm-hmm. in your bank account information, and and to this day, even if you set up a brokerage account on mm-hmm. another competitor website, I don't know, like a like a, a a somebody who's been around for a long time, like a Charles Schwab, it feels archaic. It just feels like. Ugh, like the, the the onboarding user experience there is just not delightful, I would say. But for Robinhood, it's like, all right, we're going to walk you through almost with like a, a gamification style of emojis, and we'll get you up and running and investing as soon as possible, right? And I think our conversation will probably take this turn. But as easy as it is to get signed up, that it can also be, you know, a pitfall for the for the for the product itself, um, which I'm sure we'll we'll discuss. But Yes. That to me is the problem they're solving.
0: Definitely. And Trent, what what is your thought?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with accessibility. Like they they essentially expanded their their market. They they tapped into a generation, I think, of people that weren't were necessarily familiar with the ins and outs of investing. Mm-hmm. And like Andrew said, they made it really simple. And it's it's a guided experience so that you know people that's usually not something you take lightly, right? transferring a few thousand dollars or even a few hundred dollars, depending on your means, um, that can be a big deal. So giving people the confidence that, Hey, this is safe. This is secure. We're going to help you with this. Um, There there's, you know, relatively low risk. That's the kind Mm -hmm. of messaging they used, Then I think that really opened some people, a lot of people's eyes that maybe wouldn't have been looking for this kind of thing at, at the age or stage they are in their lives.
0: That's good. I was going to add something
2: there. I think you made a great point. Like they tapped into an un, like a hidden market that nobody knew existed. Like the retail investor market. Yeah. Now, by retail investor, I mean like almost like young adults who really don't know what they're doing, but you know might have some free cash flow to invest on the side, and they they heard investing is a good idea, right? So you Know maybe I'll give it a shot. And in fact, that is exactly how I got started, maybe like 10 <laughs> years ago, not on Robinhood. There was another app they had maybe 50 stocks to choose from, but it was a fr- mm. but it was a free investment. Tr- like you didn't have to pay per trade, which is another big bonus for Robinhood. Yeah. That's how they attracted so many of these users. Hey, we're not going to charge you like e trade six dollars to, to do one transaction, bogus, right? You know, so <laughs> you know, so Robinhood's like, hey, we'll we'll let you do it for free and you will come on the app and so as soon as Robinhood came on the scene and i and they had access to every stock not just 50 of them i immediately jumped on board.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's exactly how i started basically i just came out of the college and um i just started earning and i remember like uh when i was approach i was approaching Charles Schwab other uh stock brokerage companies basically they were charging insane amount of money and i said hey i was thinking about like i'm just investing 500 bucks yeah. Uh, if I'm paying $7 per trade, how much I will retain? Like, just think about that way. And then Robinhood came and it was a game changer that they were not charging me anything. And yeah. one of the things which you both of you uh, talked about is usability. So I think that one of the things which Robinhood did was amazing was customer segmentation. They knew this market exists and maybe the, the, the investment looks small, but if you think about the numbers, that this market is brings on the table is enormous like the average you think about the college kids or even the like who are just 18 19 but they're making some money working in macbees or anywhere and they think about like okay i will not play uh the games but let's let me start investing 50 bucks every week let me see where do i go with that and that's where i think it is a game changer it changed the entire generation's mentality to different levels
2: and I think they did it like a fantastic, I mean, I, I, I know you probably have some other questions, but like you guys, you guys are bringing up some really good points. Like they did such a good job of knowing that segmentation piece, like of knowing the market that they're potentially playing with. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a couple, like, I'll call it like product led g- growth, like PLG type of tactics that they had mm-hmm. at the very beginning that just paid off in spades. And so like it's like, it's really just knowing the psychology of their user and the, Mm -hmm. like the, the generation that we are mostly millennial. Right. Yeah. Um, Back then when it was getting started. And um, there was a couple of things they did that I remember it was like, one was um, they really played on like this idea of scarcity. Mm -hmm. So they created FOMO, right? Like, Hey, you got to get on the wait list if you want to use this tool. Right. And so it just made it cool. Like, Oh, I'm on the wait list. Like they didn't need to do that. They could have just let everybody in and on the tool, but it created this momentum around the, around the products. And then the other thing that they did was they had, um, they, it's really like this uh this psychological like theory of liking. So it made people really like the app because they gave away a free stock at the beginning, right? So it's kind of like a loss leader. And it was it was crazy how they did it because they would flash across the screen like Apple and Amazon, all these cool, like like mm-hmm. fang stocks. And you're like, Oh shoot, if I sign up for Robinhood, I'm gonna get a um I'm gonna get an Apple stock, right? And I'm gonna be rich. And like, you know, I signed up and I remember I got a, I got a stock that was worth $5 and 60 cents. It, it was Ford. Right. And I was like, oh my god, like, I just, whatever, it's still free money. Right. It's $5. yeah. Yeah. So they get, they do this loss leader and now they've got you. Right. So like they give you a $5 stock in exchange for you putting hundreds of thousands of dollars into an app. And then you start investing. Right. So it is by far and away worth it for them to do that, that type of acquisition tactic.
0: I love that hype and the incentive that you just talk, which you just spoke about this is amazing. All right. So my next so my next question is about the Robinhood evolution. What do you think that how Robinhood has been evolving over the past 10 years, where there have a lot of computers who came in with the same strategy of not charging any trading fee? What do you think Robinhood has been doing differently to stay in the in the competition.
1: Yeah, I mean, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm not super familiar with all the history of, of Robinhood, but I know they have a pretty serious competitor in in the form of Weeble now mm-hmm. um, that, you know, kind of copies and does the same kind of things as they do. But it feels like Robinhood has matured their business model uh, a fair amount, mm-hmm. where I think i think it felt like their starting strategy was just to accumulate as many users as they could really that product product growth Andrew was talking about and then you know they they tried to figure out or they started to figure out more and more ways that they could make money from that audience from all that that user base right so the just the data alone that they're collecting on all those trades um is super valuable
2: yeah, the data. And I think they did a couple of other things. Like, obviously, no, the number one thing that comes to mind is crypto, right? So they started offering crypto trades on the platform. Um, and even to uh, recently, I think, as recent as this week or so, they started, they're starting to um, offer uh what is it like i am not i'm not a huge crypto person but they're starting to offer like a a, a competitor to a metamask wa- wallet right so now you can start to um hold all of those types of crypto assets in a wallet on robinhood and you can have access to all like the the defi and um you know nft type type of uh, asset that you otherwise normally wouldn't get
1: yep yeah if I, if I could piggyback on that real quick the the timing of that addition to their feature set is perfect. Like yeah. I'm amazed that they were able to jump on that so quickly, especially with all the, you guys saw the headlines around um, Coinbase yep. and the FOMO there, Yeah. Uh, where suddenly quite everyone was like, I got to get out of Coinbase. I got to pull all my crypto out of out of Coinbase. And so there was like Robinhood's like, I'll welcome, you know, welcome me with open arms.
0: I'll take well, all no your positions. Sure. Yeah. And, and and I think from my experience, I can say that like Coinbase, they charge you insane amount of money, like when you're selling or buying the the crypto over the, on their platform. And whereas now, you see on the Robinhood, they're charging zero dollars; they are charging nothing to you. And that's another game changer in the in the crypto world. And and I would like to see where, where are they going with that, but. Another thing which you're speak, we speaking about, Andrew, is that they are giving you the capability that uh, you can manage all your funds, and they will. You can have a 64-digit uh, code which allow you to keep the money, and you can pull the money. <clears throat> uh, the only thing, only difference is that there is no FDIC insurance over there, but right. you are the owner of your money. You can do anything. Which is amazing, and which is a lot of investors are looking for today—that they want to have a control on their money and they want to keep that. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, and that was the that was the differentiation between them and um, Coinbase, right? So, yep, you know, and going going back to your question, I think they they probably did a couple of other things um, from a product perspective. You know, um, one of the things we as product managers are always kind of on the lookout to do is figure out what are some other commercialization like strategies that we have. You know? mm-hmm opportunities to to capitalize on. You know, one of the things that was was such a great bonus of the tool was its simplicity, but it was also kind of a drawback at times too, right? Because when you think about retail investors, like they need a little bit more information to make (laughs) grounded decisions or like smart decisions. Mm -hmm. And Robinhood just did not have the tools to allow mm-hmm. people to do that on the platform itself, right? So I believe they offered like a Robinhood Gold. I can't remember what it was called. Robinhood Gold or a premium, basically a premium version of Robinhood that gave you a little bit more insights to... Um,
1: investments. Know, pay,
2: yeah. Invest Market investments data, research data. reports. Yep, Exactly. So that you can make a more informed uh, decision as, a, as an investor. Because it's an opportunity for them to do that. Otherwise people are gonna go pay for those tools outside of Robinhood anyways, right?
1: Yeah, and if oh. I remember the fee for that is really reasonable. It's something, it's like five bucks a month.
2: Yeah. yeah so
1: absolutely. it almost makes it like, oh, I'm, you know, I have thousands of dollars invested. So five bucks is nothing.
0: Exactly, right. exactly. So so let me ask this question now. And uh, like, let's say, Andrew, you are the product manager for uh, Robinhood today. And if I ask you to evaluate the success of your product right now, what are the different success criteria you will look for your product at this point from the Robinhood's perspective?
2: Yeah. um, Good question. Um, In terms of success criteria, are you talking about like what kind of metrics would I be keeping an eye on that kind of thing?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, there's probably like the, a couple of metrics that they've, you know, always got up. You know, like tip, like typical, like B two C type of uh, apps, mm-hmm. like, uh, the the daily active, monthly active users, whatever. But um, I think if I were to be a product manager there, I would definitely be focused on a um, couple of things, right? So, like, you can tell if somebody's engaged by the number of trades that they're they're making. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, just because they're not making trades doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a, an active user or somebody who's in, like heavily invested in the product, right? So, like for instance, I'm just thinking about myself as a user. I've got money in Robinhood that I have not touched for a while because I'm waiting to see what happens, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean I'm I'm not an active user or heavily invested in what happens with this product. Um, so another metric I might want to keep an eye on is like um, uh, you know. Amount of money invested per per user, um, mm-hmm. something along those lines. I don't know. So what, what, about you, what do you think?
0: So, what do you think about the number of logins? Like, um, because maybe uh, someone is uh, not investing heavily right now. Like, let's say because uh, everyone speaks about the cash is king. Uh, so, let's say someone is not investing heavily and he's still logging in because he has some investment, maybe not. $10,000, $20,000, but maybe $1,000. Because we're talking about the customer segment. And if you remember the initial customer segment they were looking for was what are college students, basically. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And we have to remember that these students are uh, very, very volatile people, like going for the parties and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. But again, even for them, from their perspective, $500 is a, is a big investment from their perspective. Yeah. So for, my, for me, uh, definitely what I will be thinking about is that how actively they are looking into their accounts. Because they want to see uh, the market going up and down. They have been seeing that there's a market is falling recently. But these people are willing to invest. They are just looking for the right opportunity. And uh, if they're not withdrawing their money, it's a great indication for me because that means they have that stable mindset. Okay, I want to invest more. I want to invest more. I just want to wait for the right opportunity. Right. But that login, number of logins in a month or in a week. Will definitely give me a good confidence about uh, the habits of my customers. Trent. Yeah. What are my thoughts?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I love this topic because you can segment it into like what are the what are the key lag measures? Yep. Versus the leading indicators, right? Yep. And um, I mean, I, I was amazed that Andrew came up with that so quickly on the spot. Maybe you already thought about this, but no. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a tough a tough thing to. <clears throat> to figure out, you know, the relationships between <clears throat> the end result or outcome you want, which is mm-hmm. probably something like, you know, just overall revenue growth and profit margin. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, what are, what are the best indicators of that? I think, you know, there are people who just log in to check their account. There's definitely people who just wait to get notifications and they, they're more the set it and forget it type investor. Then well, you have, you know, the different personas where, they're maybe a little bit more opportunistic. They want to be notified hey, this new IPO is coming out, then they jump on it.
0: Yep.
2: So, you, I mean, you raised the exact point that I was like, I was thinking about is. As a product manager, I feel like you're also a little bit responsible for driving healthy behavior, right? Yeah. Like there's one thing, there's one thing to be said for number of logins, right? But there are some habitual users of this product, like I just know from being in like the Reddit communities, right? <laughs> who log in literally. And I, I actually have a friend that's like this who logs in like to check his balance, like throughout the day, dozens, <laughs> dozens of times a day. That's just not good right and like it yeah. just that's the type of usage that kind of drives the gambling betting mentality which mm-hmm. is one of the things they get in trouble for right so as a product manager you've got to figure out ways because traditionally right investing is one of those things that's passive right you you, you put in whatever 100 mm-hmm. bucks 500 bucks a month you know what so in that range mm-hmm. as you're growing your your uh, your retirement or whatever throughout your career mm-hmm. and so you that's how it typically has been done. But the behavior with Robinhood, I think they've changed the game in that. And now people are like logging in, randomly putting in money, randomly taking out money. And it's a little bit more sporadic and less predict- predictable behavior, right? And so for me as a product manager, keying in on how many times somebody logs in, you know, I'm trying to, I'm, tr- you want to, it's a trade-off, right? Like you want your product to be yeah. successful and for people and to use it and get value that.
0: out of it. Yeah. But you don't, don't want to like about the ethics over here, ethical, yes. uh, ethical behavior uh, correction, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a dilemma for any product manager, basically. If you think about from the, even from the YouTube uh, video viewer perspective, like one of the engagement, you say, hey, how how many videos someone can watch, and mm-hmm. till this date, I have never seen a notification on YouTube that hey. You have seen so many videos or so many hours of videos <laughs> in a single day. So that's yeah, a definitely an ethical uh, dilemma for any product manager. And you know, one of the things that I was thinking about and I always think about is that what is your company's vision, basically, where, where they want to go, basically. And most of us are driven by our business goals of a company. Like, hey, if the company is saying that, hey, you, we want to increase revenue. Yes, we want to increase revenue. Then we start thinking about the different methods which can change a customer behavior in such a way that we drive more revenue. Yes, that and as a product manager, definitely I have a big responsibility that I want to have an ethical behavior. But somewhere, I am also driven by the business goals. So mm-hmm. that's always a dilemma from any any product manager perspective. But Andrew, I love your thought. Love yeah. it actually.
2: Yeah, there's got to be an ethical like consideration here because yep. you don't want. You don't want to create
1: degenerate gamblers, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which which think, has happened totally. And I think Teresa Torres has some good pointers here about like what's your objective metric versus your guardrail metric. Mm-hmm. I, I like the way John Cutler phrases it, mm-hmm. where like you know we we want to achieve this while this, you know, mm-hmm. while while not not disturbing this or while not decreasing this. That can be a good countermeasure to. You know just going gangbusters on one metric while not realizing that this other metric has has also gotten messed up yeah that's really good
0: i like that so i uh, at this point so andrew my question is for you i would love to know from your perspective if you have to change the product management in robinhood at this point how would you like to change the product management practices in robinhood
2: yeah. If I were, a, if I were a product manager at Robinhood, like what is something I I might consider building? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't thought about this, but the first thing that comes to mind is trust, right? So it's when you're slinging money,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you've got to build trust with, you've got to build trust with your users and, and give them the thought in their mind that their money is going to be safe with you. And no matter what happens, be fine at the end of the day unless i do something my own to mess it up right so one of the things that i think there's probably an opportunity to do and especially you know they're having to kind of claw back from losing a lot of trust with the whole meme stock thing right like yep Yep. i just remember the gamestop thing that happened they halted i think they halted the ability to sell off or sell Mm -hmm. off their gamestop when it hit high so that really I think that caused quite a bit of attrition. Um, yep. And yep. yeah, for lack of a better word, it pissed a lot of people off. Right. Yep. And when that sort of like liquidation of user base happens, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to, it's like a, that's like a brand impact level effect. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to, to become, you know, the next, the next phase of of Robinhood to me, has to double down on trust. And so, um i would look to build products that build trust and you know what exactly that type of product would look like i'd have to spend a little bit more time thinking about but there's some opportunities i think in the content space for sure right If you've got new, especially like Gen Z um, retail investors coming on the scene, you have an opportunity to educate them on how to do investment responsibly, right? You have tons and tons, like especially as crypto becomes more popular. There's so many individual like influencers, I'll call them, creators out there who are making tons of money on the side, like helping people figure out how to invest crypto, helping people how to figure out, right? So as long as there's not like a collusion type of thing at play, Robinhood has like, you can do almost like a crypto EDU or like cri- crypto school or mm-hmm. some sort of investment type of school to help people learn how to make these decisions responsibly.
0: Um, love that thought. Love that thought. Education, basically. Right. Talk about education. Uh, Trent, what is your thought?
1: Yeah, I love what Andrew said. Taking it to a slightly more tactical level, some of the things that came to mind for me were, you know, explain. <sighs> I guess the finance industry and investment, in particular, can be sort of—they have their own language—and so I think there's an opportunity along those lines of education to put things in more layman's terms and and have ways for people to learn about this stuff in ways that are accessible and, and understandable for a layperson who's not in the uh, finance industry. Um, along, also, I think giving users kind of the tools, the granular, granular uh, control. That they might need to, you know, let them sort of rule their technology instead of it ruling them. Um, I think that could alleviate some of what we were talking about earlier around the incessant need to to check the app, right? Mm-hmm. I think giving giving users control of their experience is typically a good thing. Um, and then uh, there was one other thing I was going to say, but it will come back to me. Go ahead, Yogesh. What, what would you do?
0: I mean, that's a great question. I mean, uh, definitely Andrew has influenced my thought process right now because secured, I mean, the trust is definitely one thing, but I, I will look at my competitors, like basically uh, and an opportunity because I, today morning I was thinking about like, we generally develop any feature when we start looking at opportunity. And at this moment, definitely an opportunity is lying in front of them when the Coinbase is getting weaker and weaker. Okay, so they introduce a new thing that uh, we say, okay, you can uh, sell and buy crypto without paying anything, zero dollar. Now the question is like, how are they gonna make money uh, in that scenario? Because it's all about monetization from their perspective. So from now as a product manager, I will be thinking about what else can be done to product, to monetize that. And now my, my thought process is taking me to Metaverse, which is a new hot topic in the market too. Like, hey, how can we introduce a Metaverse? Like uh, how can you work? Uh, have a Robin Hood and Metaverse coming together uh, uh, mm-hmm. and start thinking in that that in that space right now. Maybe, and again, we're talking about generation Z right now, they're really, really inclined toward that. So I want to think that uh, because recently I was reading about like hey, someone who sold an NFT uh, uh, a virtual plot of for a half a million. So how can I utilize this possibility of uh, selling and buying of NFTs through Robinhood? And, and that's a great opportunity lies for us. Another thing that I'm thinking about, which is not many platforms are doing right now, is basically uh, ability to pay and buy uh, for the properties because the, hard, the property market is really hot right now. What if Robinhood integrates some kind of product feature over there which allows them to pay the mortgage and buy buy products over there or the plots mm-hmm. over there? So these are the couple of things that I'm thinking about, but my focus is more on the monetization because trust Andrew has already taken care of that thing. So my I'm focusing on monetization. That's my thinking right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, if if Robinhood is going to stand the t- the test of time, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, Metaverse, Web three, crypto is just only going to continue to to grow and get bigger and, and more popularized into, I guess, yep. mainstream. Um, so, you know, they they allow like they started with you know uh, <clears throat> exchange assets. hmm um on on the uh, on wall street and then they now they're in crypto assets and then now they're kind of bleeding into nfts which is another uh type of crypto so it would make a natural progression for them to become a platform where you can exchange any asset cars houses exactly whatever land exactly. um yeah so that could make a lot of sense for you know the distant future of the of the of the product
0: yeah, and maybe it sounds uh, unrealistic, but it's very much possible because Robinhood has done that in the past.
1: Yeah, I have no doubt that there's at least someone at Robinhood that's thinking that about these sorts of things. For sure, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, there's a lot of people at a lot of places thinking about that. You know, how do we make buying a home as simple and easy on crypto? There's a lot of people thinking about that. Yeah, and one of the challenges regulatory. I mean, when we bought a house recently, and there was a quite a few hoops we had to jump through just to prove. know or show the trail of where the money came from it's insane yeah yeah Yeah. and i I don't know what the rules are if if you know if crypto money would look be looked upon as kosher because i think a lot of regulators probably aren't up on their crypto space and like how that all works and so the legitimacy of the money may be questioned i think we we may have uh at least some road ahead of us before that becomes considered legitimate by regulators
0: yeah awesome so till now we spoke about good thing about Robinhood. Let's talk about the cons. What are the cons <laughs> you think about? Because it's it's always good to talk about the cons of any company. So one of the limitations that I see as a, until now about the Robinhood is that it's still limited to USA. Uh, it's not global company. Uh, that's a one one question that I my that which comes to my mind. Why it is that? One of the key answers lies there. Maybe it's a regulation, which is which is stopping them. To going to global. What do you think? What are the other uh, drawbacks or cons of Robinhood at this point? Apart from trust.
1: It feels like they're missing out on a segment of like what I would consider the more serious and seasoned investors. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know their user interface is so simple, like we talked about, it's mm-hmm. both a pro and a con potentially. It's so simple that it doesn't have the robust tools and information that would be, you know, helpful for a seasoned investor to make an informed decision. So I think those, those people are more gravitating towards kind of the old school or maybe an E-Trade. That's kind of a, you know, Mm -hmm. it's been around for a while, but they, they have a super robust platform. Um, it's also more complicated, right? So if you're not already familiar, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially when you get into more, um, Complicated types of trades. I mean, obviously, they allow you to buy and sell stock. That's about as simple as it gets. But once you start getting into like shorting and um options, all, like op- yeah, options. all that. Su- Go ahead.
0: No, they, they 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 do allow you to buy and sell options.
2: I know, I know, I've done it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's too easy, right? Yeah. So one of the things where like once you start getting into that a little bit more, uh, more I will say advanced advanced levels of of doing those types of trades then you're going to want to be on a platform on a almost like on a desktop that allows you to do these you know yeah like i have friends who use other tools like charles schwab it might be a bear to sign up with but once you're in you know how to use it it's it's a lot better Mm
0: -hmm. so one one more drawback, drawback that i can find right now in ability to Integrate with other applications. If they can integrate other applications, because there are so many great applications people are building right now, in the first stocks and options, we know there are so many developers. If they can encourage that, okay, guys, we will allow you to uh, provide us uh, tools for our users, and especially for the advanced user. Right now, that is missing. That's a big opportunity right there. And now, not only you are. Uh, encouraging innovation over there but also you're building up a, a big trust that for your users perspective that hey guys we are thinking about even every segment even the serious investors who are willing to invest millions and billions over there
2: yeah i mean there's certainly um yeah there's certainly opportunities for them to to plug in with a lot of tools and i guess my mind just immediately went to like automation type tools Yep, I think there's built-in automations for some of these platforms. Maybe not on Robinhood, but maybe on some other ones. But yeah, yeah, it'd be great to have automations like if this, then that, or or uh, Zapier, right? Like like trade-related automations. Right. So mm-hmm. if my bank, if my uh, account dips below this number, sell or buy. So, yeah. So, so that'd be really helpful. Kind kind of automate your your trades and make you make you more effective um, at the right times. Um. Yeah. Certainly, a lot of uh, opportunity there, and I think one space we've not talked about that I think, you know, maybe a, a con or a drawback is, uh, investment space in companies. Right. So, like startup investing. So, mm-hmm. if you guys have, have you guys heard of the uh, the startup pipe? Mm-hmm. Pipe before. Well, I don't want to get into like all like what Pipe does, but Robinhood, you know, ha- there's a they have access to a lot of funds and, and essentially you could use those funds to fund startups or companies or almost like fundrise. You can, you, it's yeah. like, uh, you know, ways that you can invest in, you know, real estate without having to own. You know, yeah. Yep. So exactly. it's be like you could own startup like pieces of equity in startup companies without having to, you know, be on the the investment list or be a registered investor, right? It's mm-hmm. like there's a couple of opportunities like that. And I'm sure there's tons of regulations and the hoops to jump through when it comes to those kind of things, but there there could be some opportunities in the uh, in the pipeline for them like that. Oh,
0: that's, that's a great point. You're talking about a crowdsourcing basically. It's it's a great right, opportunity yeah. over there. Yeah, I mean I, I don't know about the regulation pieces over there but definitely if you uh I mean you, if you're not declaring yourself a big investor over there uh, as, as a you can be a crowdsourcer and crowdsourcing is is I don't think there's a big uh issue over there of regulation but yeah that's a great opportunity talking about I I love that part um so now we're almost at the end of the the session, the first podcast, I would really want to thank both of you, Andrew and Trent, about uh, for sharing your wonderful insight about your thoughts about Robinhood. Uh, anything else you want to add before we end the sessions?
1: I would just say it's been a pleasure and thank you for your insight as well, Yugash. Yeah, thank great you. questions.
0: Thank you.